Thanks, Dave. Uh, great to be here tonight. What a beautiful day. Hasn't it just been the most um, stunning weather day? I was sitting on my balcony this afternoon. And I'm like, this is incredible. This is why you live in Queensland, isn't it? On a day like today, absolutely beautiful. Welcome if you're from Melbourne. Uh, if you're new, welcome to the, uh, the sunny state. Good to have you with us tonight. And uh, if you're tuning in online in Melbourne, uh, there's an opportunity. I think there's still space up here. You can move up and uh, we will welcome you here with open arms. Uh, we've had the last couple of weeks away from this series that we're doing in Titus, but we're going to move back there tonight. And we've been looking through Titus 1. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked through Titus 2. And at the start of this particular chapter, Paul's writing this letter to uh, his sort of younger apprentice, Titus. And he's saying, look, Titus, these are the things that I want you to do in the churches that you're in. I want you to appoint elders. And then in chapter 2, he says, I want you to teach these particular things. I want... Uh, you to remind the people who Christ is in them. And so he says, this is what Christ in older men looks like. This is what Christ in older, woman looks, older women looks like. This is what Christ in younger women and younger men looks like. This is what Christ in slaves looks like. And then he gets to this, the back end of what we're going to look at tonight, the back end of the chapter. And he says, he sort of gives the gospel rationale for all of that instruction that he's to give them. It's sort of like a uh, tell them all these things because of this. And they're the verses uh, that we're going to look at tonight. And so we're going to just uh, go straight there and read them. I'm going to start in verse 9, where he's talking about slaves, and then go through uh, 11 and, uh, through to 15, which is our verses for tonight. This is what it says. Paul to Titus. Titus uh, tells slaves to be submissive to their masters and to give satisfaction in every respect. They are not to talk back, they're not to pilfer, but to show complete and perfect fidelity so that in everything they may be an ornament to the doctrine of God our Saviour. For the grace of God has appeared. This is the four part, the, the reason why. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all training us to renounce impiety, which is ungodliness and worldly passions. And in the present age to live lives that are self-controlled, upright and godly. While we wait for the blessed hope and the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He, Jesus, it is who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. Declare these things, exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one look down on you. These are some really uh, interesting verses. It's kind of like the gospel in a nutshell, in a capsule. And uh, as I was mulling, I started mulling over these verses on Tuesday afternoon. On Tuesday evening, I went home. And uh, we don't do this too regularly, but we actually flicked on an episode of The Chosen. I don't know whether you've seen uh, The Chosen. It's a, uh, a series that's been made out of, based on the gospel. So Matthew, Mark, Luke and John on Jesus' life. And it follows the disciples as they're going around with Jesus 
and, uh, and he's doing his ministry, and I'm sure it'll eventually get to the point where he, he goes to the cross and he rises again. But it's, a re- it's actually a really good show. There's a lot of, of great stuff in there. I can rec- recommend it for you. But I was watching this one particular episode, which is out of Matthew 4.24. It's based on the verses there in Matthew 4.24. And as I saw this end scene of this particular episode, God just enlightened on my heart that, that this is pretty well, this scene here beautifully paints the picture of exactly what Titus is saying, um, sorry, what Paul is saying to Titus in these verses. And so uh, we're actually going to show that scene here tonight, uh, not something we might usually do, but just to set a bit of context to what you're about to see. So it's based out of Matthew 4.24. In that verse, it says that Jesus uh, was in Syria and he was going around and all the people, it says the news about him spread throughout all Syria and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demonics, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And so this episode is based uh, on this moment. And throughout what before, in the episode before what we're going to watch, is uh, it's followed the disciples as they've managed these masses of crowds of people who've been coming to Jesus to be healed. And so it shows these huge long lines. And then at the front of the line, Jesus is ministering in this particular tent And it's followed the disciples as they've gone back and forwards from managing the crowd to sort of where they're set up. And they've gone backwards and forwards like sort of a few times throughout the day. And Jesus has just been ministering the whole day. He's been just serving the crowds that have been coming to him. And it's sort of getting later in the day. Uh, They've just had dinner. The disciples have just had dinner. They're just chatting around the fire. And uh, we're going to see what picks up here from this moment as an argument breaks out, particularly between Simon having a go at uh, Matthew, the tax collector. So just to let you know, what you're going to see, this conversation is not in the Bible. If you're new to church, uh, what what you're going to see here is not actually in the Bible, but it gets very much at the spirit of who Jesus is. And so we're going to show that now. What about you? What do you mean? Has it been difficult for you all this time? The occupation, following Jewish law. My life has not been easy. Oh, oh, it hasn't. What was more painful for you? Escaping Roman persecution by working for them or escaping your guilt with all the money? And now you're catching up on Torah and wanting to follow the law. Why now all of a sudden? Why not all the other times you had the chance? Simon? No, no, John, I want to know. Mary had horrible trauma. She didn't choose all that happened to her. What's your excuse? What do you want me to say? I I don't know what you want from me. An apology. What? Simon's not wrong. He could be more delicate about it, but you did choose to work for them. And you made my life even harder than it already was. And you haven't apologized. No, no, don't say it. I don't want you to apologize. It doesn't matter. What would hearing him say sorry do? I won't forgive it anyway. What keeps putting you in authority? Who are you to forgive or not to forgive? What, you're on his side? No, of course not. But you've had your problems too. What about apologizing for what you almost did to us with their own? I didn't go through with it. 
I was trying to save my family's life, and I love you, John, but that's not something you have to worry about when Zeb and Salome are looking out for you. But you put me in a desperate position where I did things I would never have done otherwise. And I've repented for them, and John and James, I am sorry, but I didn't go through with it. What is your excuse? I was a successful businessman, and yet I was always behind. He wasn't your tax collector. You quit defending him. I want an answer. Hey, you're Lou. Do you even know what it's like to be Jewish? To suffer for centuries and centuries because of it, but to still commit to it? To protect our heritage even though it never stops being painful? Because the one comfort we have is to know that we're doing it together. That we're all suffering together. But if, if we just wait a little longer, if we hold tight, just a little more, we'll have rescue because we're chosen, all of us. And you betrayed that, and you spit on it! I can't forgive it. I'll never forgive it. All right. You said what you needed to say. Sit down, Simon. You sit down first. Ambition for success, ambition for wealth, ambition to achieve a particular 
worldly outcome, ambition to look and be perceived in a particular way, an ambition for personal comfort and wealth and happiness. You could see there in that conversation that the disciples were having, money is the currency of the world. It facilitates our worldly desires. And in this moment, as as their worldly desires, and maybe so too in, in your heart tonight, as those are thwarted, as they're stopped, as they're hindered, anger and, and, and barrenness and dryness is experienced in your life. You're pursuing worldly things and, and the pursuit of them is leaving you empty, but also maybe as you're, as you're going towards them and things, there's hurdles and barriers in your way, there's this frustration that rises up in your spirit, like what you saw there amongst the disciples. And left to themselves, if you could imagine that Jesus never walked past that group in that moment, left to themselves, there is no exit from that state. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Flesh does not inherit the kingdom of God. That's why it's called slavery to sin. That's why it's called being stuck in our iniquity. That's why we need a redeemer, someone to rescue. In fact, it is our very selves that we need rescue from. We're enslaved to to the desires of flesh and blood in us. What is the exit from that? It's it's us, it's our own slavery. It's, It's being trapped within ourselves. We need something from outside of us. We need a new type of life. We need something to enter in. And uh, so Paul says in verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all. That word appeared means come into focus or, or, or to be clarified, to be seen. And uh, in this moment, in the, in the video, that beautiful moment, when they're, when they're conflicted as a group, individual, separate, selfish lives, and grace flashes upon that group. As the man of beauty walks past, it's, it's a powerful, beautiful contrast, and it's a reality. Not just in a video, it's a reality in our lives and in this world. Here they are, here we are in a fight amongst ourselves driven by our own selfish worldly passions, conflicted amongst ourselves, trying to get what we want for ourselves. And here he is having poured out what he has, giving everything he has to serve and build and work for the blessing of others. He has ministered all day long. He, he comes back to the camp and you can physically see the, the energy that he has expended, the way that he has poured himself out on behalf of others. Healing all those who came to him with sickness and demon possession with joy. And what we see and what the disciples saw in that moment is 
is a holy spirit of love contrasted with their unholy spirit of worldliness. Here, Jesus is purity. Jesus is godliness. What you see on the surface of Jesus, see, Sometimes what happens in the world is that you can see people and they do really good things, but if you push down through the exterior, through the surface into the middle, there's actually not goodness at the bottom. This is what the Pharisees were doing. They were doing good on the outside, but inside they were corrupt. If you look at Jesus and you push all the way down right through to the very, the very center of who he is, it's pure all the way. Love all the way. What you see is what you get. Him pouring himself out for the sake of the world is actually who this man is. He's a heavenly man. The disciple's worldly heart is a desire to take for themselves in spite of what it means for others. We all know what that's like. To get things for ourselves without reference to others. Jesus' heavenly heart in contrast, his desire, his aspiration is to give to others in spite of what that might mean for himself. Paul says, he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. You know what Jesus is saving us from? He's saving us from sin. He's saving us from that place that you saw the disciples in that, that you know and have experienced in your own life. The place where you are just human, where all you've got is flesh and blood and what you see around you, that's flesh and blood. He's rescuing us from that place. And it's this perfect giving of himself, this perfect purity, as it's unveiled, as it appears, that redeems and liberates every single man and woman. Uh, we saw it in there in the video, the disciples, as they look upon Jesus, as they truly see who he is, they are cut to the heart. They see him and then they see they see me. They're cut to the heart. The beauty of this man, the, the glory of this man, they see it. And at the same time, they see themselves and their ungodliness without him. It's this revelation, in fact, that liberates them. They needed the heavenly man to appear and to be made known. They needed to, to know who he is and that is their liberation from their state of iniquity. The scene finishes there, the episode finishes there, but I can imagine if the episode was to continue a little bit, Jesus is lying asleep in his tent. I can imagine each one of those disciples individually walking over to Jesus's tent while he sleeps and kneeling down and renouncing their ungodliness renouncing their sin, giving themselves over to this man 
saying, I'm committed to you. That's what Paul says here in that passage. He says, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all training. That word in the Greek means teaching or disciplining. It's almost like forcing, forcing us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. As they're struck with the beauty of this man, they are disciplined. They are almost compelled to go to him, to say, this man is the man, I need him. What he has, I need. And the revelation of Jesus's perfect spirit of love is cemented in the walls of history. Did you know that? It's cemented in the the flesh and blood world of history via the cross. You know, the cross is not just an outward act that Jesus did. He didn't didn't just die on the cross to, you know, because it was kind of the thing that he had to do. The, The cross is the unveiling of who God is. It's the revelation of a, of a God who is love from, from out all the way in. And it's this vision of His love, of, of who He truly is that melts us, it humbles us. It, it bows us low before Him and we, we are compelled to walk over to Him, in fact. We're compelled to leave our ungodliness and go and kneel at His tent. This is how John, uh, Jesus Himself put it in John 6.40. He said, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, that word looks to is like, it's like see, who truly sees him. You know what I mean? Like not just a, I'm there when Jesus died on the cross, but who sees who the person of Jesus is. Whoever looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. He gave himself, he gave himself that he might redeem us from all iniquity, all iniquity and purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. That word zealous means um, from the heart. You know what I said there where Jesus is, is good from outer to inner. That word zealous means a people who are good from inner to outer. Paul says it in Romans, he says, you've, uh, or maybe Galatians, he said, you've learned to obey God from the heart. You know, not just an outward, I'm doing the things on the surface. No, from the very bottom of my being is a desire to do good works, to love as Christ loves. Because Christ has come to purify for Himself a people of His own, in other words, of Him, of His nature. This was the perennial problem that the disciples were wrestling with as they followed Jesus for three years. You see, they saw the beauty of this man. They'd begun to follow Him. They were in His vicinity and they're saying, this guy is incredible. But you know what they, you know what they were thinking at night? I, I, I'm sure this is what they would have been thinking at night at some point. It's, it's, actually, it's actually a lack of faith, so hopefully they weren't. But I am sure they would have had the thought, but He is there and I am here. You can imagine them kneeling down at the tent of Jesus and saying, this man is perfect. This man is pure, consuming, holy love. But he's in there 
and I'm out here. I mean, he's absolutely, he's dragging me away from ungodliness. I don't want that anymore. I see who he is. He's liberating me, but, but he's he and I'm me. Tomorrow he's gonna walk and uh, he's gonna go and talk to some other people and he's gonna go over there and then I'm just left with me, flesh and blood, the very self that I'm trying to escape from that I need rescue from. You know, the truth is, separate from God, we are only flesh and blood. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Without him, the only thing that will result is what you saw in the disciples' huddle. That's the only thing that will come. Without God, flesh and blood, has, it, we have to operate from something. And the only desire we've got left to operate from is flesh and blood desires, worldly desires. What, what does my flesh want? Well, in the world, I wanna look good and, and, and I want lots of nice food and I want a comfortable house and I want, that's flesh and blood desires. Without God, that is all we are left with. But He has come to liberate us, not simply by showing us that that we have no life and barrenness of ourselves, but He said, Paul says here, to purify for Himself a people of His own, a people who are of Him. This is what Jesus talks about in John 3 when he says, you must be born from above to be able to see the kingdom of God. Paul says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We we can't just know about Jesus in a human way. We actually have to have the divine living in us, dwelling in us. Christ in us is the only salvation. This is our only freedom. If you want freedom in the world, the only freedom you can ever have is the very God of the universe born in your soul. This is our only redemption from all iniquity. Paul puts it like this in Colossians 1.27. He says to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, the mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm not talking about an understanding, like an intellectual thought of Christ being in us. I'm literally talking about the very Spirit of Christ dwelling in us. In Titus 2, here in this passage, this is how Paul puts it. He says, in the present age to live lives that are self-controlled, upright, godly. You can't live a godly life without God. While we wait, that word means welcome or, or receive, while we anticipate the blessed hope and the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. In other words, while we welcome The glory that we saw in that clip that just hinted at what it truly is, that glory coming and residing in us. That is our hope. That is salvation. Scripture talks about humanity as being simply a temple, 
as being simply a vessel, a house. The house without the tenant, without the living God is left to itself. It's decrepit, it's barren, it's empty, it's tired, it's exhausted. But I wanna tell you when the living God comes and fills the temple, then there is power, then there is life, then there is love, true love, not outward love, not not put on love, true love deep within our soul, rising up from the being of who we are. This is salvation. We wanna welcome this. We wanna welcome God into our dwelling. Our lives are flesh and blood. They're mortal tents, but they're created. God created every one of you, every single person that is here tonight. He created every one of us, not simply as a mortal tent, to be filled with the living God. That is good news. This this God that we know so much about, that we've heard so much about, that we talk so much about, He wants to come and make His home in our hearts. Incredible. Just as we finish, uh, we're going to share in communion, but I I want you to imagine for a second if you continue that scene, maybe in another direction, if they didn't go at kneel kneel at the tent, which they would have because you could see the humility. And they were, in fact, they, they they had been pursuing Christ. They'd be saying, we, we want you, you know what I mean? And so he had them, so to speak. He'd already got them by the collar and he was taking them with him. But um, I want you to imagine just for a second if that scene had ended differently where Jesus had walked past and the disciples had seen a glimpse of the light, you know, sort of said, oh, there's light there, but then closed their eyes and said, no, 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 like, the money and the thing that I'm going after, this is, this is actually what I need to keep doing. If they'd sort of just ignored Jesus, tried to put Him away from their vision and from their sight, imagine what would have happened. They would have remained in that place of ungodliness, remained in that place of wrath, in that place of absence of God in, the, in their tent, in their temple as individuals. So what Jesus says is, is I want you to, uh, John the Baptist came preaching repentance. And the repentance was like making a straight pause for the King of glory to come in. If we hold to our worldliness, if we keep going there, if we keep living for our worldly passions, the King of glory cannot come in to His temple. And faith is to go, okay, I'm going to renounce that and I'm going to come and say, God, make your home in in me. Living God, holy, righteous one, come and and make your dwelling in in my heart and in my life. And so to share in communion tonight is to is to affirm that in your life and in your heart, to say, actually, yes. I'm leaving that ungodly huddle. I'm leaving this desire to, um, you know, to just be, be flesh and blood. I want something else. I want a divine life. To share in communion tonight is to have faith in that. 
to say, yes, Jesus has actually come to fill me with his Holy Spirit of love. So we're gonna share in communion now. Jesus, as he was walking back in that moment from healing the people in Syria, which he really did, and he was exhausted and given of himself, like we see that and we're like, this man is amazing. You know, the Spirit of Christ is actually driving through out of the video into our hearts tonight as we see that. But I wanna tell you, this is the, this is the pinnacle. This is the highest manifestation of a man who was totally given over to us, of a man who gave everything he had for the blessing of others. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a man who said, nothing is mine. I'm living for the blessing of others, for their good, for their life. This is what the cross is. And so we're gonna share in communion. Jesus literally said that with his disciples. He was gathered there and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Drink in remembrance of me. Enter in, participate, say yes. Walk over to Jesus' tent and kneel and say, oh Lord, I don't wanna be flesh and blood. I want this, your spirit to come and fill me. I don't wanna just have good deeds on the outside. I want those to be welling up. I want you, Christ. In fact, I wanna know you, Christ, at the bottom of my being, at the bottom, in the pit of my guts. I wanna know you and your love for people welling up in me. And so I'm just gonna give you a moment now to take and to eat the bread. If that's your, the affirmation of your faith here tonight, that you're saying, yes, I'm, I'm renouncing the ways that I've been living for the things of the world that, that come when I'm just flesh and blood separate from Him. And I, I wanna know myself in Christ. I wanna know His Spirit dwelling in my temple. Why don't you take and eat tonight? Let's do that. stand together and let's uh, let's take and drink tonight Heavenly Father we come before you now we draw near Thank you, Lord, that there's people drawing near to you tonight for the first time. People who have, are recognizing their ungodliness and are saying, oh, I want God. I'm hungry to know this man. Heavenly Father, we draw near 
to you tonight. Not with the eyes of flesh and blood, but with the eyes of faith. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. Light to our darkness. Father, I'm so aware that that as we've just shared in communion, what we need is not to hear um, about an outward act. We need a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ to strike our spirit. So I pray right now, as we're in your presence, Lord, Heavenly Father, by your spirit, reveal yourself unto us. Show us your glory. Show us who you are. We know, Lord, that without you, we we are not, we're we're just flesh and blood, Lord. We're mortal, we're uh, dust to dust. And this is why we as flesh and blood cry out here tonight and and say, we need a living God. We need something to attach ourselves to. We need someone to hold us. We need a heavenly Father. We need a great high priest who's interceding. We need a God of forgiveness. We need a God who's kind. We need a God who's loving. We need a God who is eternal. Who, who said, whoever shall believe in me shall not perish, but have everlasting eternal life, the divine life. We need this heavenly Father. And so we cry out to you for it tonight. Lord, I pray that the gates of repentance may be opened in lives tonight. Lord, I pray that there would be movement towards you in our hearts tonight. Thank you that you say, anyone who asks will receive. Anyone who knocks, the door will be open to them and I will come in and I will will have dinner with you. I will abide in you. And so we receive you tonight in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Team, we're gonna lead us in this wonderful song. I just... Invite you in this song, lift up your heart to God, cry out to the living God. This is not a TV series. (laughs) This is reality. The living God wants to come and meet you. Let's cry out to Him tonight together.
This song is forever yours. A thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. Praise God. Hey, uh, I just want to, as we sort of come to the close of the service tonight, I just wanted to take an opportunity just to pray. Uh, for a specific group of people. Um, we've got about 30, somewhere between 30 and 40 young ads that are heading down the Gold Coast for school this week through Red Frogs. Uh, on Friday, that'll start. And uh, we just wanna pray for you guys specifically tonight. So um, you can probably stay where you are, but if you are going, because uh, we just wanna get a few people around you just to lay hands as we pray for you. If you can just raise your hand, if you are going down, that would be amazing. Um, don't be shy. Um, there's gotta be some, yeah, brilliant up there. Just a few others, just raise your hand quickly. And if you can, just a few people around just wanna lay hands on them quickly, that would be awesome. And we're just gonna pray corporately together uh, that God might just use them. If you don't have anyone laying hands on you, just quickly raise your hand again quickly. That'd be awesome. All right, let's just pray together. Father God, we just thank You for this opportunity. And Lord, as we've heard tonight, as Matt shared, there is life and life in all fullness when we encounter You. And God, we just wanna pray uh, for this amazing team as they head down. We just wanna ask for Your protection upon them. We wanna ask, great God, that You'd use them mightily. We pray by the power of Your Holy Spirit that You'd lead them and guide them and bless them. We pray that there'd be many stories of just the right place at the right time, intervening and uh, having, you know, being able to connect uh, with these schoolies, great God. And of course, we wanna pray uh, that from this week, there'd be many, many, many amazing stories that flow out of this week of just great opportunities to be able to share about the goodness and the grace of You, great God. And uh, of course, Father God, I've found uh, that when we jump on board with what uh, You're on board with, there's a fire and there's a passion that stirs within us. And I really pray for every single young person heading down that they would come back with a desire and a passion, that they would have experienced You using them and they'd just come back with a sense of, I'm in, I'm in, I want more of that and a desire to, uh, uh, to see You use them more, great God. And so we thank You in advance for all that You're gonna do, great God. And uh, we just pray all these things in Jesus' mighty and precious Name. Amen, amen. Well, thank you so much. It's been so good to have you here tonight. Great to have you online as well. Oh, and as well, if you want prayer at all, we do have a specific prayer lounge at the back and there's a team there waiting to just pray. So even if it's a really small thing, they would love to pray for you. Whatever it might be, they'd love to pray for you. God bless you. Have an awesome week and uh, we'll see you soon.